Welcome to the America's Workforce Radio Podcast, the flagship production of the American Workers Radio and Podcast Network, where organized labor and its never-ending fight to protect the rights of the American worker come first. Now, presented by LIUNA, Laborers International Union of North America, here's your host, Ed Flash Ferrans. A Merry Christmas for researchers at the National Institute of Health, which makes yet another win for the UAW. And today on the show, what happened at the recent Tradeswomen Build Nations Conference and what's in store for the IBEW in District 3. Welcome to the Monday, December 25th edition of America's Workforce, where we are available on at least five platforms, including... Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, iHeartRadio, Spotify, and Pandora. We have three people on the show today. We're going to start things off with two members of the Tradeswomen Build Nations Conference. We're going to first be joined by Vicki O'Leary. What a history she has. Vicki joined the Ironworkers International in January of 2016. In the time since, she became chair of the North America's Building Trades Unions, better known as NABTU, Trades Women Committee. She is a 36-year member out of Local One in Chicago. And what a story that is. On a dare from her ironworker brother, this goes back to 1985, Vicki, who was 21 at the time, took the Ironworkers Union apprenticeship test. And listen to this. She scored higher than her brother did and figured, well, okay, fine. I'm going to move on. But then the apprenticeship coordinator in Chicago offered her a job and that started her career with the iron workers. She then completed her triple major bachelor of arts degree in union leadership and administration, labor education, and labor studies from the national labor college. That was in 2008, her master of arts degree at Gonzaga university in organizational leadership that was uh, in 2012 and five years ago 2018 she graduated from the harvard trade union program and completed the cornell national labor leadership initiative she is one heck of a leader no doubt about that she's going to be joined with erica stewart erica became a local 693 boiler maker at the ingles shipyard in pascagoula mississippi And that was by accident. She served in the U.S. Army and was looking for her next steps in a career when a friend asked her to join her on a trip to Pascagoula where the friend wanted to apply for work in the shipyard. Well, Erica went along, and when they arrived on impulse, she too decided to apply. Fast forward, Erica has served as president of Local 693 and other lodge leadership roles. She was appointed by the Boilermakers Union to also join staff as an international rep. And in 2019, international president Newton Jones selected and appointed her to serve as the union's national coordinator of women in the trades initiative. And that's primarily what we're going to focus on today because a couple of weeks ago, NAB2 held the 13th International Tradeswomen Build Nations Conference, the largest gathering of its kind in the world. More than 3,900 3, tradeswomen representing the U.S. and Canada gathered 
in Washington, D.C. as a show of solidarity with their fellow tradeswomen. All this to learn about new programs and opportunities in the industry and to engage with leaders from the government, from industry, and NABTU's 15 international building trades unions. It was quite an affair, and uh, both Vicki and Erica will talk about that, and we'll talk about women in the trades and what they see ahead. Great conversation coming up. Later in the show, we're doing uh, another part of the best of 2023, and we're going back to, it wasn't too long ago, actually, in November. I had a conversation with Ed Hill Jr. Name sound familiar? Well, his dad served as the general president for the IBEW for 14 years, 2001 to 2015. Now, uh, Ed joined the IBEW in uh, 2008. He spent four years in the training department before becoming one of three members to form the business development sector in the 3rd District. Now, the 3rd District, oh, very concentrated work here. We're talking New York, Pennsylvania, New Jersey, and Delaware. A lot of work, a lot of work being done for the green transition, and there will be more work in the next 20, 25 years than any previous moments over the same time. Yeah, a lot of this has to do with the good policies that have come out of Washington in the first two years. You think about the Bipartisan Infrastructure and Jobs Act. You talk about the Inflation Reduction Act, which is actually paving the way for wind and solar. New Jersey and New York are two of the four states I mentioned in the 3rd District. They are hotbeds, and I mean hotbeds, for solar and offshore energy development. In New York, get this, in New York, they plan to build enough solar facilities to create 23 gigawatts of energy per year, supplying the state's 7.5 million households with more than twice the power needed for a year. That's just in New York. So uh, Ed Hill Jr., this is a conversation that we had, I believe it was on the 2nd of November, and all these uh, conversations, of course, are archived on awfpodcast.com, awfpodcast.com. And for complete updates, just go to ibw.org. If you go there, you'll see that they just signed an agreement for the largest renewable energy project in North American history. This is in Arizona and New Mexico. A lot of good things happening, especially with the trades and the IBEW. Now, a brief look into the world of labor. This segment brought to you by Boyd Watterson Asset Management. You can find more at boydwatterson.com. In a historic outcome, early career researchers at the U.S. National Institutes of Health in Bethesda, Maryland, have voted by nearly 98%, 98% to form a union. It's the NIH Fellows United, and they're affiliated with our friends at the UAW. 1,601 workers voted in favor of unionizing with only 36 voting against. How about that? Now, mind you, this is the first union within the U.S. federal government for research fellows, which includes post-baccalaureate, pre-doctoral, and post-doctoral researchers. On the platform X, formerly known as Twitter, there's a post, We won our union. We are the largest union of federal employees to form in more than a decade and the first union of fellows ever at a federal research facility. We made history together. Now, going back to June of this year, the workers filed with the Federal Labor Relations Authority to form their union, 
a month later in July, the NIH questioned the legal standing of fellows unionizing, submitting paperwork to the FLRA stating many of the potential union members were not employees and thus did not have the right to form a union. Well, following pressure, obviously, and a lot of support from the UAW, the following month, the NIH dropped opposition, thus paving the way for the vote. Improved pay and working conditions and enhanced protections against harassment and excessive workloads are the primary issues that workers would like to see addressed in the first contract that they're actually working on right now. Tim Smith is the Region 8 director, and he said, I'd like to welcome the NIH unit to the UAW. I'm looking forward to meeting and shaking the hands of each and every one of those new members. We're talking over 1,600 here. We will stand hand-in-hand to achieve a contract that helps them build a better life. They may be the first union in Region 8 for government researchers, but working together, it ain't going to be the last. (laughs) Hats off to Tim Smith. And congratulations to the the research fellows all at the National Institutes of Health in Bethesda, Maryland. All right, we're going to take a quick break. When we come back, Vicki O'Leary and Erica Stewart talking about women in the trades. This is America's Workforce. It takes Lyuna to build North America's infrastructure. From roads and bridges to schools and skyscrapers, the men and women of Lyuna, the Laborers International Union of North America, build the projects we depend on. From constructing the Freedom Tower on the site of the former World Trade Center to untangling Washington, D.C.'s congested interstate, Lyuna members do the work that matters. Find out what it takes to be built by Lyuna at lyuna.org. That's L-I-U-N-A dot org. Are you an experienced mechanical insulator looking to take your career to the next level? Insulators Local 50 in Central Ohio has steady work for a number of years. Insulators Local 50 offers a total wage and benefits package that can't be beat. It's not just the competitive wages. Local 50 also provides medical, vision, and dental insurance with no paycheck deductions for you and your family. Don't miss out on the chance to secure your future. Join us at Insulators Local 50. Earn great pay and the best benefits. Visit insulators50.com forward slash AWF50 to fill out the online form and a local 50 representative will call to begin the process. America's Workforce is brought to you in part by the Communication Workers of America. You can find more at cwa-union.org. America's Workforce is brought to you in part by the International Brotherhood of Teamsters, where you can find more at teamster.org. America's Workforce is sponsored in part by Boyd Watterson Asset Management, LLC. Find out more about our investment solutions tailored to meet the needs of Taft-Hartley funds at voidwaterson.com. The Ironworkers Great Lakes District Council, consisting of eight ironworker local unions in West Virginia, Pennsylvania, Ohio, and Michigan. We build the skylights and bridges along the Great Lakes. With more work than ever before, the Great Lakes District Council is actively searching out the next great ironworker. Whether it's building the next Intel plant or constructing a bridge to safely connect our great cities along the lake. So join the Ironworkers Great Lakes District Council today 
Find out how and learn more about the council by visiting IWDistrictCouncil.com. America's Workforce is brought to you in part by the United Auto Workers. Find more at UAW.org. America's Workforce is brought to you in part by the United Steelworkers. You can find more at USW.org. Now, back to America's Workforce. Here's Ed Flash Ferens. And remember, you could check us out on Facebook or follow us on X, formerly known as Twitter. That would be AWF Union Podcast. All shows are archived there, AWF Union Podcast. Well, if you've been listening to this show, you heard us talk a whole lot about the Trades Women Build Nations Conference. And recently they held their 13th annual International Trades Women Build Nation Conference. This one was in uh, Washington, D.C., sold out. Thousands of tradeswomen from all over and various parts of the world, too, joined. And the person in charge, but, well, she had a team. She didn't do this alone. Vicki O'Leary. Vicki is a longtime iron worker going back to uh, the 1980s. And there's a cool story about her, too, because uh, her brother was an iron worker. And then uh, she decided to take the test, and she did better than he. <laughs> I, bet you, I bet you that was interesting in your family at the time, right, Vicki? It was awesome. It was great. <laughs> and, and then she became, and now it's, what, 36, 37 years as an iron worker. And we got to give a shout-out here to Local One in Chicago. That's where she started. Also joining us on our live line. And, Vicki, welcome to the show. Erica Stewart is joining us. Now she is with Local, well, she became a boilermaker out of Local uh, 693, working in Pascagoula, Mississippi, but uh, you're from Mobile, Alabama. Is that right, Erica? Roadside, that's right. <laughs> <laughs> and she's a longtime Boilermaker. Well, Vicki, I want to start with you, uh, and thank you for joining us. Uh, you've been on the show before. We talked about uh, paid maternity leave. By the way, I have to inform you, you probably know this, we're still recording the show out of Ironworkers Local 17 in downtown Cleveland. They're about uh, eight, nine hundred strong. In fact, uh, just south of us, there's an iron worker who uh, is becoming the mayor of Canton, Ohio. So uh, that's that's another subject. We like to get as many union brothers and sisters in political office so they can make some very good changes there. But hey, Vicky, let's start with the Trades Women Build Nations Conference. Uh, in your opinion, it sounds like this was a ten out of a ten scale, huh? What what's your what's your take on it? I think the Tradeswomen Committee knocked it out of the park this year. We had 3,787 registered people. We had to knock off registration. I would say there were still several hundred more that just showed up. So it was incredible. And maybe if you could give a rundown. Um, every every year it's a little bit different, this one, and I was so excited to hear the fact that you, you couldn't even take any more people. So hotels were all sold out on that. But if, if you've been to many of these. What would you say would be the takeaway from this last one? What what would that be, Vicki? Well, I think always is the sisterhood. I think that's huge. The takeaway, though, is probably just saying that we're not alone and meeting people, women, other women from all over the United States, Canada. We even had a couple of um, from Europe this year. I think that's the takeaway is that we're not alone. Mm-hmm. And, and by the way, I'm sure there's planning for the next one. Do we have any information on that, where that's going to be? We do. It's going to be in New Orleans, September 27th to the 29th. And this year we're going to have a convention center so that we don't have to turn anybody away. 
Okay, good. There you go. That's a good good thing. Good problem to have, I guess. Now, Erica, talk to me a little bit about yourself. Uh, was it over 20 years as a boilermaker? What made you decide to go into that profession? Let's start right there. Well, funny thing is, um, it wasn't by choice. I actually have a little story myself. Um, a friend of mine kind of talked me into uh, wanting me to ride over to the shipyard with her. I'm, again, from Mobile, Alabama, and she wanted me to take a ride with her over to Pasadena and do an application. I was nowhere near interested. I was like, girl, bye. No, no, that's not for me. However, she talked me into doing it, and um, funny thing, I got the job, and she didn't. Um, yeah, um, long ride back from Pasadena, Mississippi to Mobile, Alabama. Um, so that's how it kind of started for me. But once I got started being a, an Army vet myself, once the guys told me that I couldn't, I had to prove to them that I could, and I became a journeyman welder. So you went right from the Army into the Boilermakers? Was that a pretty good transition then? Yes, it was. Um, being that um, the, the shipyard where we build Navy destroyers, um, Coast Guard cutters, um, DDGs, it was um, serving once. I served once in the military, but I, was, I felt like I was serving twice again, uh, again, simply because I was having an opportunity, given an opportunity to be um, a welder on the ship, to build those ships, to carry out our, our Navy men, Navy airmen, Navy women, um, to carry them out to sea and keep them safe, so to protect and serve. So, um I felt like it was a great thing to do. At the time, I was like, oh, no. But once I got involved into it and saw what it was about, it was about and the opportunity that it afforded for me, um, I got really excited about it, and I wanted to see it through. I see some uh, congratulations are in order here. We're going back a couple of years. I see you were the Tradeswomen Heroes Award winner in uh, November of 2020. So how long, you know, how, how many years have you been involved in the Tradeswomen Build Nations Conference, uh, Erica? Oh, wow, funny story. So Vicki and I met at Harvard Trade Union Program in 2018. Um, that's where this sisterhood began. And um, she asked me to uh, to co-MC with her in 2018. That was my first year being uh, having an opportunity to uh, MC the Trade Women Doing Nations Conference alongside her. Um, and we've been doing it ever since. I think we're, she's the yin to my yang, I'm the yang to her yang, and we're sisters, and we enjoy it. We love every minute of it. And I'm just wondering, too, uh, because of your story, and I'm sure you have shared your story with other sisters, especially in the South, and, and it's important, too, because, you know, the South, it's not very union-friendly. We've talked to a lot of brothers and sisters down there, the right-to-work states, but uh, the fact that you are a woman, a woman of color, you're making a difference, you got a good job, and I salute you for your military service and all that. Uh, do you share your accomplishments with others so they can do the same kind of thing? Heck yeah, every chance I get, whether I'm at the, um, in the grocery store, if you have the time to listen, I got the time to talk. I'm here in Georgia right now negotiating a contract because I'm an international rep for the Boilermakers as well, and I spent... Uh, an, an hour last night just talking to two guys in the in the Waffle House, you know, being amazed that here it is. I'm a woman, a woman of color, as you said, and um, I'm actually a, a, a labor, I'm in this labor movement. I'm fighting. I'm always organizing, talking to women and men um, about my story and how I got started and how it was a blessing for me and how I want to share my story so that hopefully it will uh, impact someone else to uh, do the same thing that I did. So, um, yes, I'm always, I go into high schools or um, I both take colleges or just common day people. If they ask me, what do you do? I have no problem sharing my story and 
and, and just letting them know how my journey began and how I'm enjoying the journey as I continue to stay on this road. So you're at the Waffle House. Now, did you get a chance to eat any waffles after that conversation was over? What? I got me a little scattered cupboard, you know, a little shocks, you know. I do a little something. Waffle House, that's my spot. I'm from the South. That's with, we got a Waffle House on every corner here, man. Come on. <laughs> <laughs> that's what I love doing this show, baby, because it goes in any direction. It, it, it and, and, and it should be. It should be. I mean, we're trying to show the, the human side of everybody. <laughs> I love it. I love it. Vicky, Vicky, let's go back to you here. Uh, you've got a lot on your shoulders, girl. I mean, uh, you, you moved up the ranks here. Uh, I know Sean McGarvey, boy, this is like a pet project of his. Maybe you could take me back to that time on how this all began because, um, he's trying and you know what? We need workers. Let's be honest. There's a lot of jobs out there right now. Can you, uh, can you speak to that time? And, you know, especially when you were an iron worker, you know, going up the ranks, learning the trade, working. I mean, it was primarily a male-dominated industry. Um, talk to me about that part of your life, Vicki. Well, I can say that I honestly, I went back to college. I, I did that to prove to my son that it could be done. And in my early 40s, I, I had three bachelor's degrees. And then I went on to get a master's. And the whole time what I was doing is sending my resume to the international. If I had something to update, I would send it to them. Hey, I would like to do this. Or, hey, um, just wanted to let you know that I've, I've completed 145 hours of OSHA, which I would not recommend, by the way. Um, I'm certified in all these OSHA things. So when an opportunity did come, I was the first person that they thought of, which was amazing. But I also, there's a lot of responsibility with that because I am the first woman ironworker that went to the international. And probably the same for Erica. We feel an awful lot of responsibility to make sure that they, we don't ever hear it, well, we had that one woman once that did this and got into trouble. So with that comes a lot of responsibility. When they asked me to take over Nashville's Trades Women Committee, i got to tell you, they've got a great team. The women that are on this committee are some of the hardest working women. They really put their heart and soul into our workshops, into our banner parade, into every single aspect of the conference. So having that great team has made it much easier I'm a control freak, so overseeing all of it has been a lot, but NABSU's team, working with Betsy Barrett, who's been my right arm during this thing, has been fabulous. The whole NABSU team really puts in, we couldn't do this without having just a team and volunteers, the rank-and-file women that stepped up this year to be volunteers for the workshops, to be volunteers for the banner parade, to make sure that we got out onto the street safely. It has been a pleasure to work with these people and our volunteers throughout the whole thing. I can't say enough about them. Vicki, I understand uh, you conceived the Be That One Guy program, which is a, a training effort, including all iron workers. And the idea here is to educate iron workers on how to deflect or change the tone of a tough situation. And boy, those tough situations can come up in a heartbeat. Uh, when you, when you started that program, how, was it difficult to get accepted? What what can you say about that? Well, I think that after Booty Hicks was murdered on the job on February 14th, Valentine's Day 2017, I asked the Iron Worker women that night if they'd ever been afraid on the job. And when I saw the resounding yes that the women were telling me, I knew that we had to address this. We were the first in the building trade to address this. And I, we kind of lost a little bit of traction during COVID because you can't change hearts and minds over a Zoom call. 
but we're starting to see the traction build back up again. We're doing train-the-trainers now at various locals to get more people trained and being able to do this. Our next one is going to be in Portland, Local 29, and we're super excited about that because many women want to come forward and become trainers and people of color, and having it put into the apprenticeship there in Portland first I think is going to be super exciting. But we are seeing traction, and we're seeing other industries are interested in this training. So I think we're on to something. It can't just be the top-down it's got to be the bottom pushing up, and we know mm-hmm. that 90 to 95% of our ironworker men are really good people, and 5 to 10% are jerks. We're not worried about the jerks. Let's worry about teaching the good guys how to step up and either deflect a situation, distract in a situation, and quite frankly, by directly intervening in, in a situation and knowing that later that they, in that delayed reaction they should check in and make sure that that person's okay. By just asking, yeah. hey, you want to get coffee? Um, we're seeing great things come of this. And, and now we even noticed that the DOL, I was on a call the other day with the Department of Labor, and they're interested in how to stop violence in the workplace. And so that's especially important, too. Erica, can you, uh, can you chime in on that one? I, I'm sure you're hurt a lot <laughs> with boilermakers. I mean, it's across all, it's all across all walks of life here, let's be honest. But uh, your experience, Erica. Well, yeah, definitely my experience, of course, being from the South, being here, uh, being a woman, being a woman of color and starting off in the um, this male-dominated industry, as they say, but we've, t- we've definitely taken over. It was tough for me. Um, I experienced a lot, um, and that's what really was the beginning of my journey. I experienced a lot dealing with a, a foreman on my job that didn't think it was a good place for a woman to be, the he was very, uh, very, very, very disrespectful with the name calling. Um, the, the things he would do, the things he would say, he would try to put me on the most difficult jobs, knowing that I was an apprentice, um, that I needed some assistance. Just I was still in the training process, but he still uh, put me on those jobs. With and he, it was like, to me, I felt like he was trying to set me up to fail. However, I might I was able to get my um, union representative at that time to represent me and. Um, and, do, and seeing him and the way he represented me and spoke up, I wanted to also be an advocate to speak up for some of those other sisters who were afraid and didn't know how to go about going um, to get the help that they needed to be a voice for them. So I began to advocate for them. And with doing so, I was asked to become a, a, a shop steward, a younger steward, and um, later was elected for, uh, nominated and elected to be the first female president of my local of local city county three and your I want to say it like you passed the rule of Mississippi, and uh, <laughs> and um, um, from there I was appointed the very first female international rep for the International Brotherhood of Boilermakers, and now the national coordinator of women in trade initiatives for the International Brotherhood of Boilermakers. Um, so all of those bad things I, I turned I made I turned those lemonade the, those lemons into lemonade. All of the negativity and the things that I was told that I couldn't do that I wouldn't do. Um, I thank God that I had a guy that spoke up for me that helped me get a, get my start by being that good union representative. But with that, I took it and ran with it, and I wanted to be a help to those sisters that didn't have the courage to step forward to speak uh, on their own behalf to be a voice for them. I love the stories. I love them. And you know what? I wish I could talk more, but I'm going to have to move on here. Erica Stewart, Boilermaker, 20-plus years, member of the uh, Tradeswomen Build Nation Conference, and Vicki O'Leary 
who's got a leadership role uh, for a long time, I might add. You know what? Let's revisit down the road. And, Vicki, I want to zero in on the uh, maternity program that you were able to accomplish with the iron workers. That was groundbreaking, and I know other unions are, are looking at that, and some are, are going to adopt it. So, it, And that's a big issue, too, because we, if the women are going to get involved in the trades, they've got other issues like uh, – Families, child care, things like that, that have to be addressed so get, so they can stay in those good-paying right. jobs. So you take care. Best of luck to both of you, and I promise we'll keep in touch, okay? Thank, Thank you. you. Certainly a fun conversation with Vicki and Erica there. Hope to hear more from them in 2024. All right, we're going to take a quick break. When we come back, it's the best of 2023. We're going to replay a conversation I had with Ed Hill Jr. of the IBEW in District 3. Back in a few minutes. You're listening to America's Workforce with Ed Flash Ferrans. It takes Lyuna to power North America with affordable energy. The men and women of Lyuna, the Laborers International Union of North America, have the skills needed to build and maintain oil, natural gas, nuclear, solar, and wind projects that are shaping America's energy future. From new energy tech to retrofitted facilities, Lyuna members do it all. Find out what it takes to be powered by Lyuna at Lyuna.org. That's L-I-U-N-A dot org. Hire union musicians. Call Music Talent of Cleveland at 216-881-1802. Call Music Talent of Cleveland as your dependable source for professional musicians in Northeast Ohio. Union musicians add harmony to weddings, elegance to parties, and uplifting music for all events. Music Talent of Cleveland contracts solo and ensemble musicians as well as bands and orchestras for single engagements. So hire union musicians. Call Music Talent of Cleveland today. 216-881-1802. America's Workforce is brought to you in part by the International Federation of Professional and Technical Engineers. You can find more at ifpte.org. This segment of America's Workforce is brought to you by Survey and Ballot Systems. SBS has been providing unions with secure and flexible election options for over 30 years. Visit surveyandballotsystems.com to learn more. The Heat and Frost Insulators and Allied Workers are proud to be a title sponsor for America's Workforce Radio. The Insulators Union is leading the way in the mechanical insulation industry, fire stopping, and infectious disease control. Regarded as North America's energy conservation specialist, these professionals are known for their professional work and dedication. You can learn more about the Insulators Union at insulators.org. America's Workforce is brought to you in part by the Ironworkers. You can find more at ironworkers.org. Now, back to Ed Flash Ferrens with America's Workforce. And remember, you can check us out on at least five platforms. That includes Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, iHeartRadio, Spotify, and Pandora. And when you get an opportunity, here's what you do. Just sign up and receive our shows on a regular basis and give us a rating. We always appreciate those five-star ratings, so please keep them coming. By the way, this next segment brought to you in part by the United Labor Agency. You can find more at ulagency.org. Once again, we're continuing some of the best of 2023 episodes here on America's Workforce. We're going to go back uh, just about a month early in November. I spoke with Ed Hill Jr., who is with the IBEW's District 3. We're talking about a big area here, New York, Pennsylvania, New Jersey, and Delaware. A lot of activity, a lot of it dealing with wind and solar. Well, in this segment, we talk about organizing, staffing the new jobs coming to the district, 
and making the IBEW grow. Let's listen to Ed Hill Jr. here on America's Workforce. Let's go to line number one. Welcome a newcomer to the show. And uh, he is with a giant union, the International Brotherhood of Electrical Workers, better known as the IBEW, which represents approximately, and this number is growing, 820,000 members and retirees who work in a wide variety of fields. We're including construction, utilities, manufacturing, telecom, broadcasting, railroads, and government. Giant Union, Ed Hill Jr. is a business development district rep for District 3. And that includes the states of New York, Pennsylvania, New Jersey, and Delaware. And right now, he's talking to us just outside of Pittsburgh, Pennsylvania. Ed Hill, Jr., welcome to America's Workforce. How are we doing today, brother? Oh, doing excellent, and I'm happy to be here. Thanks for the invite. Talk to me a little bit about your background. I know your dad was president from uh, 2001 to 2015. Sadly, he passed away about five years ago. And I understand you joined the IBW, what was it, around 2009? Can you yes. uh, give us a little a little insight on that? Yes, that's correct. Um, I started out my professional working career in the aviation industry and spent about 15 years on airplanes. And then I joined a um, sales consulting business uh, where we taught sales organizations how to sell and put sales management practices in their management organizations. So they worked, um, worked easily uh, in the corporation. Uh, we did that throughout the, actually, in you know, 11 different countries uh, across the world. We did business pretty well. And uh, up in 2009, they were growing the education department in the IBW. And because I was doing training uh, all that time, I, I joined uh, that organization and spent about four years in the training department in the IBW. And then uh, they started the business development department. And uh, I joined that uh, one of three of us uh, back in 2012. So when it comes to business developments, uh, talk to me about that. And you, you're in some very union-friendly states there, that third district, and there's a lot going on with wind and solar. Can you be mm-hmm. specific on, on how your role fits into to what's happening in those, uh, in those respective areas? Yeah, absolutely. So, you know, our, our goal here in the department is labor hours, right? And we focus on construction, though we'll touch all of the other branches in the IBW. Um, but it's really about gaining work for the construction members. And then to do that, we build relationships with owners and general contractors and really try to get the right folks at the table uh, when projects are in the planning stages. We bring, bring a lot of value, as, as a lot of trade unions do uh, when they advocate for projects. And that could take a lot of forms. But we, we help organize that advocation. And uh, then we want to try to make sure we've got the right people ready to go to work when the project starts. So one of the things I know you want to talk about is this green initiative that you're doing in the third district. Can you give us some details on that? We're hearing a lot about this. I mean, we're in a transition right now into green energy. Can you be specific on, on what's happening here? Oh, there's so much. It'd probably take about two hours just to cover the topics. Um, okay. Yeah, it's just, you know, from an electrical union standpoint, this is just an incredible time. And I think that it's, you know, we'll, we'll be doing more work here in the next 20 to 25 years because of all these targets in the 2050 range that many of the states have across the U.S. and the, and the federal government as well um, to help this 
country moved towards an electric infrastructure more so than it is today. And that means a lot of things. That means a lot of transmission. That means electric vehicles. Um, that means renewable energy, power generation. Uh, it means carbon capture. It means hydrogen. It means a lot, a lot of work for, for the IBW in particular and, and on all the trades, really. Is there a number on, on jobs? Do we have any projections on what can be created here in the next 5, 10, 20 years? Or is, it, is that kind of a moving target right now? Well, it's hard to pinpoint because of the time frame. You know, we could look at a particular project and say, hey, that's going to create all 800 construction jobs. And, you know, a chunk of that would be IBW. But when you add on uh, the time frame, that broadens that um, number out a bit. And then you get a lot of different projects. So, you know, there are numbers out there that say, hey, in transmission over the next 10 years, we'll need to have X number of jobs. But from our perspective, we need, you know, we need to correlate that to the membership and how many members we need. So it's a difficult process to go through. Um, we're working on that for offshore wind in particular because that's, um, you know, we, some prefer to, to say it's a new industry. Um, we've been working in the wind industry for many, many years. So it's kind of new. It's kind of different, different locations really what it is. But um, it's, that's, that's a challenge and it's something we work on consistently. But we know we need more. Yeah. Well, well, let's yeah, de- definitely. You know, there's no question there. Uh, you know, it's funny too because uh, we do the show, we record the show over at Ironworkers Local 17 in Cleveland, Ohio, and right next door is IBEW Local 38. Uh, their business manager is Dan Gallagher, and I, I run into Dan quite often, and he says, you know, there's a, the trades need all all kind of folks, but everybody wants to be electrical. Everybody wants to be in the IBEW because, because of what you just said, you know, the future is bright. No, no pun intended here, but there's, there's, there's a lot of jobs we're talking about here. I didn't even get to the infrastructure part here with the, uh, with the, with the power grid. I was talking about this $3.5 billion in funds to improve Mm -hmm. our, our electrical grid, which is long overdue. We all know that. I mean, this, this grid needs some work. And, um, I I was reading this uh, statement from your uh, president, Kenny Cooper, that, uh, three out of four projects already committed to using IBEW members in their construction and many more in the planning process. So Mm -hmm. you got, Mm -hmm. you got solar, you got wind, you got the power grid. Man, you got a lot going on. A lot oh, going yeah. on. It's an incredible time. We're really excited. Um, there's opportunity. Oh, my goodness. Um, if anybody wanted to get into the electrical industry, um, there's a, there's going to be steady work for, for 30 years without question. It's a career's worth for new people coming in. Yeah. And if you don't mind, let's zero in on solar and wind because that's kind of where District 3 is right now. And I, I know New York has been very proactive. Their legislature has been very proactive in making sure that all of this happens. Can you speak to that? Because, you you know, you are mentioning earlier about being in business development. So I, I would mm-hmm. imagine you've been working with them very closely. New Jersey I want to throw in there as well. Can you uh, give us some, some insight on that? Yeah, both of the states have uh, targets that they've set, and they, they want to reach these goals for, you know, carbon-free electricity. Um, and that they're pretty stiff, you know. This is going to take a lot of work to get done. And we mentioned about transmission. Um, you know, all of these things have to work together to make sure all the all the citizens in the state have the power that they need. And we all know how important that is. Um, so in solar in particular, uh, up in New York, um, 
we just did a little bit of research here, and they've got 23 gigawatts, and that's with a G, of solar planned in the state. Uh, it's a bit challenging because not all of those projects will, will go to construction. Um, but in some, you know, if you consider solar in particular, there's you know, a, a performance factor that they talk about. So the nameplate capacity is one number, and then the actual output the energy is another. Um, so, you know, 23 gigawatts, not all of that will get built, but some number in a very, very high gigawatt range is going to get constructed. Um, and that's a lot of labor putting solar in place. So um, we've got many members in the state that are working on that now, and we anticipate that's going to grow here in the next 10 years uh, pretty significantly. Uh, same thing for New Jersey. They've been putting solar in for many years there. We do a lot of work on those projects, and you know, they have done a lot of two and three and five and megawatt projects in, in New Jersey. They're, they're starting to grow as well. Now we're getting the 10 and 20 and 50 megawatt projects, which requires a lot of uh, a lot of people to uh, to work on those on those four, six, eight, ten months, potentially two years, depending on the size of them. Now, Ed, I, I know you're speaking on behalf of the 3rd District. I'm just wondering, um, what about south of that area, you know, Virginia, North mm-hmm. and South Carolina, Georgia and Florida? You know, there, there's opportunities for wind development there. What are you hearing from uh, from the IBEW in that part of the uh, country? Well, you know, onshore wind has been around for a long time. And, you know, some of the south of Virginia in particular, Maryland, um, I know my partner, John Rosenberger, has been um, down in those areas for a number of years. They've put a few wind projects in. The interesting thing is a lot of those projects these days now are going to be um, repowered uh, because the efficiencies in the turbines and blade technology has come about in the last 20 years. Um, so there's work there to be done, and there's new projects going in all the time along those ranges. Certainly in solar, Virginia, Maryland, um, North Carolina, South Carolina, as you say, all the way down into Florida. Um, they've been putting solar in place for, for a fairly long time, and we're really looking forward to doing a lot of that work these days, especially with the IRA in place, uh, which requires a prevailing wage and, and uh, a registered apprenticeship for you know, mm-hmm. the incentives that they have out there. It's going to drive well, a lot of business. The way I look at it, as long as they're union, you know? I mean, because some of those states, right. they're not, especially South Carolina, they're not very union-friendly, but... Uh, Correct. Yeah, but you need you need the skilled technicians, and that's where the IBEW comes to play. Ed Hill Jr., business development representative for the IBEW in District Three, New York, Pennsylvania, New Jersey, and Delaware. This is part of the best of 2023 here on America's Workforce. We'll continue with Ed right after this. This is America's Workforce. More shows available at awfradio.com. It takes LIUNA to keep America running. Over 70,000 public employees are part of LIUNA, the Laborers International Union of North America, delivering critical services such as health care and emergency response, as well as maintaining roads and sanitation systems. Even the National Postal Mail Handlers Union, representing over 47,000 U.S. postal workers, is affiliated with LIUNA. Find out what it takes for LIUNA to keep America running at LIUNA.org. That's L-I-U-N-A dot org. 
The Alliance for American Manufacturing is a nonprofit, nonpartisan partnership formed back in 2007 by some of America's leading manufacturers and the United Steelworkers. Their mission is simple strengthen American manufacturing and create new private sector jobs through smart public policies. Keyword there is smart. We need to be smarter than ever in today's highly competitive world. The Alliance for American Manufacturing believes that an innovative and growing manufacturing base is vital to America's economic and national security, as well as providing good jobs for future generations. Good jobs today, good jobs tomorrow. Good American jobs. Find out more at AmericanManufacturing.org. This portion of the show brought to you by the International Union of Bricklayers and Allied Craftworkers. For more information, please visit BACWeb.org. There is unity and strength for workers. We are the USW. We are the USW. The, the United, United Steelworkers. Steel the largest industrial union in North America. We represent 850,000 members in, in the, the U.S., US Canada, Canada, and the, the Caribbean. Caribbean. We work in metals, rubber, chemicals, paper, oil refining, atomic energy, and the service sector. We are steel workers, standing strong and fighting for what's right. America's Workforce is brought to you in part by the Heat and Frost Insulators Labor Management Cooperative Trust. Find out more at insulators.org forward slash LMCT. America's Workforce is presented by the Labor's International Union of North America. Feel the power right now at liuna.org. Now, back to America's Workforce. Here's Ed Flash Ferens. And remember, you can check us out on Facebook or follow us on X, formerly known as Twitter. That would be AWF Union Podcast. By the way, this next segment brought to you in part by the Ohio Federation of Teachers, where you can find more at oh.aft.org. Once again, we are doing the best of 2023 here on America's Workforce. And one of the segments that we're replaying right now is a conversation I had with Ed Hill Jr., business development representative of IBEW District 3. And this is a very populated district encompassing New York, Pennsylvania, New Jersey, and Delaware. I talked to Ed about the importance of organizing, staffing the new jobs in District 3, and also about solar and offshore developments planned for the district, primarily in New York and New Jersey. Let's listen back to that conversation. Let's go back to our live line rejoin Ed Hill Jr., Ed's with the IBEW 3rd District, serves as Business Development District Rep. 3rd District, again, encompasses New York, Pennsylvania, New Jersey, and Delaware. That's a, that's a chunk of territory there. All right, we're talking about the, the jobs of the future here. Right now, there's a lot of organizing going on because, well, for various reasons, we're, uh, we're upgrading our power grid. we got the money coming in from the Energy Department, $3.5 billion. This is all part of the uh, buy partisan infrastructure law, which was signed into law almost two years ago by the Biden administration. 58 projects, 44 states, badly needed. And then there's uh, wind and solar. Uh, I would assume that the apprenticeship programs are uh, are on fire right now. You, you've got to be pretty loaded up right now, Ed. Have you, have you been paying attention to that? I would assume you would be, right? Well, yeah, that's an important part of the of the business. We need to have the, the members available to do the work that is, is in planning right now and, and will be going on for the next 25 years uh, and, and beyond, of course. Um, but yes, our, our apprenticeships um, across the, my four states, but, but really across the country, 
are increasing uh, the recruits that they bring into the into the program and have been for a couple of years now. Well, right now, this has been a great year for unions, as you well know. I mean, the UAW just signed off on a tentative agreement. They got some pretty good pay raises. The Teamsters, we had the healthcare workers out west. I think it was close to 80,000 of them. They went on strike. They got pretty much what they were what they were asking for. Uh, organizing. I mean, we got a labor-friendly administration. Can you speak to organizing here with the IBEW? I know you've got a, quite a team in place, but uh, with, with all the work that's projected here, this has to be uh, something that we have to focus on and make sure we get uh, we get the union in there. What what uh, what's what, what's the update on that right now? Yeah, well, we we have a really impressive. Um, you know, membership development, as we call it here in the IBW department, we have folks in every state, state organizing coordinators and district organizing coordinators, and, uh, membership development representatives in each of the local unions uh, across the U.S. We understand that, you know, this work, it's really important for the country, right? You know, we, we like to think about it, hey, we, we want more members. We, we love, love to grow the organization. You know, selfishly, that's, a, that's an important aspect of it. But the country needs this infrastructure in place. It needs to reduce the carbon output. And, you know, that's going to take a lot of skilled craftspeople. And there's opportunity for good-paying, family-sustaining jobs with, with a, you know, a nice return on the end side, right? Um, their retirees are still inputting into the economic development of our communities. So, you know, selfishly, yeah, the IBW wants to grow. Um, from a from a standpoint of a citizen, it's important that we do this, and, and we're geared up for it. Um, our international president, Kenny Cooper, has uh, developed a new um, membership development plan, and we're rolling that out across the U.S. We've got all the people in place we need, and there's opportunity galore for people that want to get into the electrical industry, specifically with the IBEW. Uh, so it's all the arrows are pointing in the up direction right now. So for 2024, which is right around the corner, it sounds like that's priority number one right now. Is that what I'm hearing in this conversation? Yeah, well, you know, membership development, but of course I want to say business development is most important, but I, no, I'm just kidding. <laughs> but, yeah, we, this is, uh, <laughs> Good yeah, answer. It, it, all, all hands on deck here. Um, you know, the, all of these, well, you mentioned the Infrastructure Law, uh, in, in, uh, Inflation Reduction Act, um, and then all of the developments that, are, that all corporations are going through uh, to reduce their carbon input um, output, excuse me. Uh, the, the, all of these things are coming together, and, and there's just opportunities for people to, to really have a good career, a solid, long career, and then you know, good retirement at the end. So, yeah, 24, 25, 27, 8, on down the road, um, it's all good at this stage. All right, Ed, I got one more question here, and I know we talked a lot about organizing. It's so important. But uh, what I want to talk about here is uh, green energy, as you referenced in the first segment. You mentioned in your uh, talking points today that green energy isn't going to produce itself. We need more trained IBEW brothers and sisters ready to do the jobs. And it's important that, uh, well, we get the apprenticeship programs ramped up and uh, obviously more organizing going on. Um, what's the, uh, what's the reaction in the business community on that right now? I mean, is it pretty, are they accepting this mission right now in your opinion or what? I think, uh, the majority of folks are. And, you know, when we talk to them about, you know, really what, 
we offer in terms of value in helping them permit in the business development uh, department, helping them permit the projects and advocate for projects and the economic impact of communities that good jobs provide. Um, they're, they're understanding that the resources that we can, we can bring to the table are really exceptionally valuable uh, to them and their projects. So um, this, again, provides opportunity for more um, IBW members and, and good jobs going forward. It's really important for, for communities um, more broadly. It sounds like they respect the training that's put in to the apprenticeship programs, which is very, very important because there's a lot of non-union folks out there, non-union outfits out there. But I'll tell you, the skills that are developed in those training programs is uh, top of the line. There's no, no question. Yeah, absolutely. I, we're, people don't know what it takes uh, to provide a skilled craftsperson, a skilled electrical worker uh, into the industry. And, you know, we're really proud of this tradition that we have of, of providing highly skilled, qualified electrical workers. And, you know, we've been doing this for 81, 82 years now, uh, wholesale across the U.S. And, of course, before that um, we did, but in a little less uh, uh, organized fashion. Uh, but, you know, people talk about apprenticeships. You know, the, the word is bantered around pretty good, but uh, we kind of have that locked down. We kind of know how to do that. We're there really proud go. of it. Ed Hill Jr., Business Development District Rep for IBEW's 3rd District. Again, that's New York, Pennsylvania, New Jersey, as well as Delaware. Okay, one more request, brother. Mm-hmm. When can we get Kenny Cooper on the show? <laughs> <laughs> well, he'd be a great person to have. He's, oh, man, I, it's, we're so excited to have him on board as our international president. He's, he's a great man, and you know what I love about Kenny so much is he's really interested in families and, and what uh, organized labor uh, does for them. So I'll, I'll, do, I'll put in a good word for you. Oh, there you go. You know, he's got those Midwest roots. He's an Ohio guy. I know he worked a lot in uh, Mansfield, Ohio, and I'm very proud of the fact that he made it all the way up to the president's spot. So good stuff mm-hmm. there. You tell him I said hello, and we'll work something out. Does that sound okay? Is, is that going to work for good. us? Okay, okay. IBEW.org is the national website. Ed Hill, Jr., you take care. Thanks for joining us, all right? Uh, It's been a pleasure. Thanks for reaching out. Some of the best of America's workforce. That was a a conversation that I had with Ed Hill, Jr., business development representative for the International Brotherhood of Electrical Workers in the 3rd District. The conversation that I had not long ago was the beginning of November. I'm sure we'll be hearing from Ed and other members of the IBEW in the new year, which is right around the corner. I'll tell you, that is one union definitely on a roll. National website, IBEW.org. That'll be it for another edition of America's Workforce. Coming up tomorrow, the latest from the American Federation of Government Employees and our independent labor voice, Tom Buffenbarger. Until then, all of you have a safe and wonderful holiday. That concludes another episode of the America's Workforce radio podcast. Thanks for listening. And be sure to subscribe so you never miss a show. America's Workforce is a production of Labor Tools and BMA Media Group. Find out more information online at labortools.com.